This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. That's Man and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on all these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. On today's pod, well, we've reached the end of the All-Star break, and I'm going to say thank goodness, because you heard my rant last <laughs> week, which signifies the stretch run of the NHL season, and that's always something to look forward to. And as always, our aim on uh, our weekly shows is to identify the most added and or dropped players, as well as new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. AJ, what's going on in your world? It's my last day in Florida. I told you off air, so I'm a little dejected. I'm flying home tomorrow and back in the local confines of Richmond Hill, just north of Ontario, where it's a lot colder than it is here, I can tell you, looking out on the Gulf. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's no warmer here in Wisconsin. Uh, equally cold, but that's good uh, for me. Hopefully we can get some more snow here. Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, I've got that cross-country ski race coming up at the end of February here, so just a month to go trying to get my training in. Um, as always, if any of our listeners want to chip in, I'm doing this 50-kilometer race to raise funds against ALS uh, to try and find a cure for that disease uh, and supports for people who have it. It's not just uh, cures, but also uh, help support families and people that have it. Uh, so if you want to chip in, the link's uh, on my Twitter page. You can find it there. Uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll answer those questions during our next next uh, uh, show or during the week. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Schultz 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman22. Now, before we do go on, I did have one that just came in uh, from at Alex MCK4. Paul and I can just discuss it real quick. He sure. says, 10-team head-to-head points league, pick one to drop, Kuznetsov, Arvidsson, or Raquel. Uh, he does mention that Raquel is three-position eligible in his league. Uh, for me, I think Arvidsson is a the drop there. Yeah, I think he's I got the highest ceiling, but those other two guys are very solid uh, it sounds like you're coming in the same on that one, I Paul. I am, I am. Raquel's got the good situation in Anaheim and Backstrom. You're, you're not going to touch him. He's he's just too good at the one one or two slot in the, the center situation in Washington. 
All right. So just like that, we answered one of those questions for you, uh, but we'll get uh, on to our breakdown of the 31 teams. Paul, take it away. All right. Let's start it up with Anaheim, where they're 6-3-1 in their last 10 games, and they're fifth in the Pacific Division. They're trying to stretch out their attack, AJ, but it looks like they want to move Perry down to a fourth line, and uh, they moved Andre Case to the top unit. Recently acquired J.T. Brown. They picked him up the, off the waiver wire out of Tampa. He moves into the second uh, line right wing slot. I see them with seven experienced defensemen, one of whom could still be moved for more offensive punch. So they're trying to figure things out up front and hopefully going to straighten that out before too long. They're making a good run in the, in the early part of the second half of the season here, and they hope to continue that. In goal, though, John Gibson suffered a leg injury just before the break. And we don't really know how serious it might be. At least I don't at this end, AJ. You might have some, some more information. But Ryan Miller's ownership has already gone up in anticipation of more work for him in the near term. Well, I think what's important to, to note here is Ryan Miller's ownership should probably be going up anyway as they head into the postseason. I mean, even if Gibson's 100% healthy, and I don't have any extra information on that, so it's kind of a wait and see. You'll definitely want to check back to rotowire.com today and take a look at that situation. But even if he's 100% ready to go, I would expect Miller to get a few more starts as they head into the postseason anyway, uh, you know, trying to keep Gibson fresh and ready to go. So whether he's out long-term, injured or not, uh, Ryan Miller ownership, uh, to your point, Paul, I think should definitely be going up. And if you need a guy that can get you some starts uh, in your leagues, definitely one to look at. And in Arizona, look at the auditions are in full swing. Brendan Perlini has a four-game goal-scoring streak going, coming out of the break, and he has seen a spike in his playing time now that he's on the top line over there in, in the desert. And on defense, Jacob Chikrin has been a forgotten piece in this defensive mix, in my opinion, because his season debut was delayed until December the four, 1st. But look what he's done. He's been, a, he's been a solid scorer in junior and shown off some of these skills and piling up six points in his last 10 games while learning more power play time in recent games. If you're looking for some juice on the, from the defense, this guy will play on the power play potentially with a guy like Oliver ekman Larson across the ice. And if he ever gets regular time with him on a regular shift, that's a pretty potent duo back there too. So worth a look based on what he's doing of late. Well, and two other guys that are going to get auditions here with this club, uh, Josh Archibald and Freddie Hamilton, uh, of late have not been in the lineup, but Brad Richardson, it sounds like it's going to be a long-term injury. Uh, we don't have specifics on how long that might be. Um, but it's certainly the news thus far is not positive, uh, coming out of Arizona. So with him out of the lineup, that's going to open up an additional spot for a guy like Archibald or Hamilton. Uh, again, not really sure which, uh, to see a few more games and get more of that audition uh, and some guys that you might want to consider targeting, uh, especially in daily contests where you don't have to, you know, ping them for long term. You can use them for one night when Arizona's got a favorable matchup. Their salaries are going to be low. Uh, so a couple options for you there as well. AJ, if there's one team that really didn't want to see the All-Star game uh, come with the break, it was the Boston Bruins. They haven't lost since the Stone Age, I don't think. And uh, they're 8-0-2 in their last 10, but the record of un being undefeated in regulation stretches back to about 15 or 15 or so games, actually. And uh, the reason why is that a lot of their youngsters are performing. And one of them, Ryan Spooner, is uh, a guy the Bruins are going to help, uh, hope that fills the void during the rest of uh, Brad Marchand's suspension. 
I'll have a little more to say about that too later. Uh, Spooner's carrying a hot stick of late with six goals and three helpers and one of them a power play and two power, game-winning goals in his last 11 games. So he's really contributed offensively. And another guy, Louis Dubrasque's uh, son, Jake, has been moved into Marshawn's spot in that top uh, line and he's bound to get more and more scoring opportunities. He already, already performed well enough to stay there for the rest of uh, Marshawn's stay. So they've got a few of their youngsters stepping up at a time when they need them to fill in for one of their veterans. Yeah, and I think the the Marchant suspension is going to be key uh, for filling in on that top line with Bergeron and Pasternak. And really, uh, I do think it could be anywhere from Anders Bjork could get a look, Danton Heinen potentially. Uh, At practice yesterday, Heinen was the one uh, on that top left wing spot, but that's fluid. Um, you definitely want to make sure you know what the lines are going to be before puck drop. If you're going to try and utilize any of those guys, it could be DeBrusque, it could be Bjork, could be Heinen. Uh, so a couple different options there for you, uh, to consider, uh, Marshawn, as Paul said, I think has, uh, four games still left. I think he sat out one already. Uh, so four games left on that suspension. So a good opportunity, uh, for some guys to get some additional playing time, some new roles, uh, something we always try and highlight here on podcast exactly and over in buffalo we go they're four and six in their last 10 they had a great uh, western road swing western canadian road swing to boost that record and uh, sam reinhardt's been among the hottest of their shooters in the past month with five goals four assists three of those goals on the power play and two of them were actually game winners that's all in the last 12 games before that he was uh, mia uh, it seemed for much of the season so he's really picked it up of late but a weak defense suffered two more blows last week zach bogosian is gone for the year aj with a hip surgery pending and nathan beaulieu also went on the ir with an upper body injury though there is some hope that he could return soon so if they don't get those guys back on defense this is going to be a real opportunity for opposing teams to light the sabers up on a regular basis i think I, I definitely agree. Although uh, Robin Lerner has been absolutely uh, stoic in net of late, has uh, not allowed a goal in his last two games, facing 63 shots in those outings. Now, this does come on the heels of a five-game losing streak in which he went 0-4-1 with a 4.89 uh, goals against average. So uh, it's not all positive there. Those wins were against Edmonton, who's been really bad this season. Although they do still have Connor McDavid, you would have thought they could have gotten one in the back of the net with him. Uh, and Vancouver, who is still, uh, although they've been slightly better than I think we thought, uh, they've still not performed. You know, they're still not an elite level team. So if you can keep that going against some of their upcoming games, uh, definitely. Sabres uh, could be in contention. Whether this is a tryout for a trade uh, remains to be seen. It'd be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, I think I honestly don't think Buffalo's decided whether or not they're buyers or sellers yet at this point. And if they are sellers, who they might get rid of. Well, at the top of that list, I'd put Evander Kane, but that's just my opinion, AJ. We'll have to we'll f- close in on that as the trade deadline approaches and spend more time talking about those situations in coming weeks. Over in Calgary, I had to do a double check when I saw their record in the last four games. It's 6 0 oh, 4, and uh, that's four straight losses in extra time on their slate. Tough luck, really, when you get to the extra frame and shootout, and the Flames' uh, long winning streak uh, kind of extinguished in that, in that uh, period. Uh, in terms of regulation anyway. But the bigger news is that they've released Yarmir Yager, and that leaves a hole on the right wing. Not that Yager was performing lights out 
and we can spend a minute or two talking about the veteran and what he's meant to this game. Now he's going back home to Kladno in the Czech Republic and, and uh, going to finish his career out there, but what a career it was, and uh, cinch for the Hall of Fame. But leaving behind an opportunity on that right flank with Hathaway and Lazar, who've done no nothing to grab an opportunity there, and I don't understand what it's going to take for these guys to to grab it, but uh, somebody's got to jump up and, and actually play the role, so might as well try and perform when they're in there. Could be last chance for both of them, actually, when you think about all the opportunities. On the other side, Andrew Manchapane is another depth forward who will be seeing third-line minutes, and he's been doing so recently, and might see his time increase. Who knows? They might even try him on the right flank. I absolutely agree. You know, they called up Ryan Lomberg as well from the minors, uh, so clearly they're not sold on what they have with Lazar and Hathaway. Uh, and I think that's a great point by you, Paul, is is what they're going to do to try and fill this in. Obviously, it wasn't Yarmir Yager. Uh, unfortunately, I think what's most uh, disappointing for me is he's going to come up. I think it was around 30, 34 games shy of that all-time record. Uh, and that's uh, unfortunate because for how good he's been for so long, that was one I, th I think he was maybe hoping to reach. I know I certainly was waiting to see him get there. So a little disappointing. Uh, he'll head back to his team. Uh, he's actually a co-owner of that club back in the Czech Republic. I think what's interesting will be uh, he's not on the original Czech Republic roster for the, the Olympics. Uh, I'm not sure that he wants to play. I'm not sure that they'll make him available or not. But technically, I think with him moving on, he could uh, take a crack at it if he really wanted to. And they'd be hard pressed to turn him away exactly. if he showed up and said, hey, I'm going to play. <laughs> yeah, that would be the ultimate in bad Pierre right in his home, in his backyard, I guess. Uh, in Carolina, AJ, despite a couple of ordinary efforts in the month of January, Cam Ward is way ahead in this goalie battle for playing time as Scott Gar Darling has looked good in only one of his five January starts uh, most recently. This is a damaging blow because the Canes had hoped to trade Ward and build around Darling, who has that long-term contract in his back pocket. However, Ward, for his part, is a pending UFA. I wonder, do they move him anyway and give their, given their current standing? Because they're last in the division. So what the heck? Uh, let Try and get some something for a guy who's playing well. It certainly has increased uh, Ward's uh, value on the open market, you would have to think. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to, right? There, I, there's little chance, in my opinion, that he's going to re-sign with them uh, without a guarantee of starting time. I mean, to your point, they gave Darling about 4.1% million a year for you know he's locked in the next three seasons mm -hmm. uh they're paying ward 3.3 right now so i can't imagine that he's going to want to come back and re-sign them i mean i can't imagine they're going to want to keep paying him uh, a decent salary i mean we've seen teams not want to you know really overstretch uh and pay much more than probably five six for the combo of the netminders there uh and so i think his price tag is just going to be too high and so really if you can get something for him, uh, you have to take advantage of it. Uh, and so I definitely still see him on the trade block, even though he's the one carrying this team right now. Yeah. And in Chicago, this team is struggling to play even 500 hockey. Uh, surprising to say, really. But they've been decimated in goal. Maybe that would be a good place for Ward to land in the short term. Anthony Duclair has joined Jonathan Taves on the top line, though. And he's pro produced a solid uh, effort in one of his recent games, a three-point night. 
And uh, it behooves him to take advantage of this opportunity because it's the best case for a great outcome. And it looks like the kid is going to get all the motivation he needs in playing next to one of the game's top leaders. Uh, in uh, the terms of the depth, Artem Anisimov came back to active duty three games ago, but he has been relegated to a third-line center role because Nick Schmaltz has been playing so well. We've talked about him a couple of times, and he's emerged as a solid scorer. He's second on the club, and he's second to Taves in the depth chart in the center position. They're not going to change that as long as he continues to pile up the points. Uh, the, for their part, the Hawks haven't had this kind of depth at center in an awfully long time. Absolutely. Uh, to your point about about Taves and, and Duclair, I think it's interesting that you see a veteran center playing with two rather young guys in Duclair and Dubrincat. Wonder where they got the idea for that from. <laughs> Might uh, be something we see more of down the road. Um, but I actually do think it probably speaks more uh, to keeping that second line together of Brandon Saad, Nick Schmaltz, Patrick Kane. I, I know those guys, you know, Sod and Kane could play well with Taves, um, but I think they've been producing so well with Schmaltz, it doesn't really make sense. And while Art, Artem Anisimov does give them a solid third option at center, the wings uh, from there, I think, leave a little to be desired. I mean, Ryan Hartman, Tommy Wingles, yeah, these guys are maybe third liners, but on a couple other teams in these league in the league, you're looking at potential fourth liners here, maybe even healthy scratches. They've got Patrick Sharp out of the lineup right now. Uh, he just has not lived up to expectations after moving back to Chicago. Uh, and so while there are good things at the top of this lineup, I think it's the depth that's causing the, the Hawks not to be uh, the elite level team that we've seen in the past on top of the fact that they don't have Corey Crawford between the pipes. Exactly. Uh, out west, Colorado, Nail Yakupov picked up three points in a three-game three game road swing where he played well enough to see th- three straight pluses next to his name. We haven't seen that too much for this guy <laughs> over his career. And with more playing time in a second-line role, to me, he looked more engaged than I've seen out of him in, in previous career stops since he's gone to Colorado. And that's great news, but he must be knowing that he's running out of chances. He's certainly playing like it right now. Good for him. Uh, if you're looking for the, more, the most surprising name among the top 20 scorers, for me, it has to be Miko Rantanen. Though he's fortunate to play with McKinnon and Landeskog, he's kind of been the, the secret factor there, uh, not boasting the same uh, rec- name recognition that those guys do, but yet, there he is. He's been knocking on the door for this opportunity for a couple of years, and I'm glad he's seen it, and I'm really glad that he's taken, taken the opportunity and run with it. He's a fine talent, obviously, and uh, full value for what he's doing right now. I want to just pump the brakes on anybody that is suddenly uh, jumping off the Jonathan Bernier train here. Yes, he had two straight losses, but he only gave up three goals in each of those contests. Sure, you'd like it to be a little bit lower, but let's not forget uh, against Montreal, he faced 39 shots against St. Louis. He faced 34 plus. This is a guy that had played in uh, 11 straight games. Uh, so those two losses really, in my opinion, are not bad losses. It's not anything to be concerned about. He's going to get the break here and he's going to be fresh. I think what's going to be really interesting here between the pipes is what happens uh, when Simeon Varlamov comes back. Cause at this point I wouldn't take Bernier out of the lineup uh, as your starting netminder, he's been doing so well lately. Uh, I think you have to consider keeping Varlamov uh, on the bench for a little while here, uh, just to let Bernier keep rolling. Uh, a goalie split, I don't think is going to serve either guy. 
Well, uh, I don't think that works in a lot of situations. So uh, a, a tough choice is uh, coming up for the Avs once they get Varlamov back. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if Bernier can keep this level of play. This reminds me of the similar discussion we had about the Calgary situation. I'm going to let that one slide because I think I won that one outright, AG. But in Columbus, <laughs> uh, Colorado, uh, Bernier has shown in the past, certainly in Toronto, when there was a capable second guy working alongside him. His play tailed off badly. I'm going to be curious to see what happens when Varlamov starts to suit up even in practice. Over in Columbus, Josh Anderson is another of the club's struggling scorers there. They've got a bunch of them. I, uh, but I'm encouraged with his shots on goal rate better than three a game, and he's picked up a goal to snap out a personal drought, long personal drought last week. He's been getting lots of playing time and on the top six, and this could be the beginning of a more productive stretch given his first line role and how intact it is. The Jackets, for their part, have to figure out what they're going to do with Jack Johnson on the blue line. He's a second-pairing D-man with an expiring cap hit north of $4 million, and really the point totals don't justify it, but I think he could fetch good value at the trade deadline. Uh, They need a suitable replacement, though, on the blue line to emerge, maybe something a little less costly. This decision would certainly be helped if one Ryan Murphy could get healthy, but he's not yet ready to come off the IR. I think if they can get him in the lineup, you might see a deal involving Johnson pretty soon. Uh, the only concern I have with with that potential trade is Columbus. I think would have to retain some salary. Uh, that four million cap hit is a lot for a contender to take uh, to get some value. I don't think you're going to see a, a non-contender pay for him with it being an expiring contract. So I, I wonder if Columbus would be willing to retain some of that salary uh, for the remainder of the year in order to move him. Uh, they potentially could. Uh, speaking of IR. Looks like some reinforcements are coming. Brandon Dubinsky told reporters yesterday he expects to play tonight, um, but if he doesn't, he, quote, 1,000% will play on Friday against the Sharks. So Dubinsky should be back sooner rather than later. And Sonny Milano as well was uh, at practice yesterday, could be nearing a return, although he's still, you know, he's on the early end of that four to six week time frame. So probably, uh, you know, not tonight. I wouldn't expect him ready to go, but getting both of those guys back will really help this depth, but especially Dubinsky uh, couldn't be coming back at a better time for this team as they try and put together uh, a post all-star run here. And talk about a team that's putting together a nice run. The Dallas stars are six, three, six, three and one in their last 10. Uh, They lost against Maple Leafs looked ordinary there, but I understand they've been playing very, very well prior to that game. The recent success of the Dallas club is completely tied to the improved play of the second line in my opinion, anchored by Jason Spezza between Shore and Janmark, which has allowed the latter two to put to be uh, helpful in terms of putting up a trio on a second powerful top scoring line. We noted a similar approach on the blue line, but there's almost no offensive skill and productivity there beyond the top pairing of Klingberg and Lindell, and that's a glaring deficiency here. I doubt they address it, though, through trade unless somebody comes calling for Carrie Lettman in a big way. I don't think they have a lot of assets to help them otherwise. I certainly agree with that assessment there, Paul. Uh, I don't think there's a lot that they could give away. Uh, but fortunately, uh, you briefly mentioned Klingberg. Uh, he is off to potentially a career season right now. 48 points through the first 58 game, uh, 50 games. Needs just 10 more points to reach his career high. Uh, His goals are down a little bit, just six so far, but his high is 13. That's certainly reachable. Uh, But assists are already 42. He had nine in the last seven games. 
this guy is getting pucks to the net. Uh, everything you like to see in a defenseman and his price tag is not outrageously high. Uh, in my opinion, now you're certainly going to have to pay something for Klingberg. He's not going to come cheap. Um, but I think 6,800 on FanDuel tonight, as an example, that's you're at least not playing, paying like Brent Byrne prices that 7,400 for him. Uh, so if you want to pay up, I think he's a better option than some of the other 60, you know, 6,000 guys uh, in that range. Exactly. And Detroit, another team that's kind of treading water. They're a distant fourth in the Atlantic division. The playoffs remain a long shot here for them, obviously. The forward compliment, though, is taking shape here, just as it has on in Dallas, like we mentioned. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi moving up to take on top six minutes with six points in his last eight games has been a nice part of it. But I think Wings management is most encouraged by the recent play of one Peter Mrazek. In goal, he has two shutout wins and allowed a total of only four goals in two in the other two of his most recent four game starts. He's a pending RFA, as we've talked a couple of times, while veteran Jimmy Howard has one more year at almost $5.3 million. This is one of those cases, like you mentioned, they're paying a lot of money for the goaltending tandem. The best case here, though, might be Mrazek continuing to play so well and possibly become a trade ship here. I wonder if that's something the Hawks are entertaining because he was in their doghouse in training camp, but has been a pretty good soldier this year. Yeah, it definitely has improved uh, from everything we're hearing out of there. Uh, that is definitely one of the most intriguing goaltending situations, I think, that are out there. Obviously, uh, Howard has been a mainstay for them, but, you know, he's a little bit older. He's 33, whereas Mrazek's just 25. Generally speaking, you'd expect them to move away from the older netminder uh, toward the younger guy. But to your point, he's been a head case periodically. Uh, another team about to get reinforcements potentially on Wednesday. Darren Helm uh, is targeting a return, as is Justin Abdocator. Uh, so getting both those guys back will really help them. Trevor Daly could be in contention for a return as well. So while I do agree, Paul, that I think uh, playoffs might be a long shot for this club right now, uh, they're pretty far behind. You know, the Atlantic Division is really the top three, and then everybody else is fighting for a wild card spot. And they're trailing by about 10 points. Uh, I think getting those guys back, they could at least make it a contest, uh, albeit they may still not catch uh, catch anybody. Yeah, and in Edmonton, you used the term head case. I think it must apply to all the, the senior management here. they got to try and figure out what's going on there. I, I can't understand it. Too much talent. But one bright light most recently in a, in a stretch where they've been 5-5 five and five in their last 10, mired in sixth in the division. One bright light is the recent play of Darnell Nurse, though, who's finally started to show a not the offensive side of his game with four goals and one helper, along with 19 shots on goal and all in his last seven games. That's pretty good uh, numbers for a guy who burst onto the scene with a lot of high hopes and really didn't show the offensive side till most recently and really was a force defensively in the meantime. But now his whole game is on display and he's really showing well. Up front, Ryan Strom has been a fantasy dud for much of the season, but recently has been moved up to a second-line center role, and he responded with a two-assist effort and a 22-minute workload in his last game. So I wonder if you're going to continue to give him those kind of minutes. He's flanked right now by Maroon and Cassian, two big men, so that should afford him plenty of room to operate, and uh, they both have pretty decent hands, particularly Maroon. So that might finally get Strom to show a little more, more of the scoring capability that I think he does have. Yeah, the only concern I have with this team is is the lack of depth. I mean, they've been putting Johan Atuve uh, in a, a forward 
you know, carrying seven defensemen, using a Tuve who's a defenseman a little bit. And all of it has to do with the injury to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think that really put them in a tailspin here. Uh, and it just hasn't shaped up. I mean, Milan Lucic is currently in like a fourth line role. Uh, they're th- throwing every line combination at the wall just to st- see what sticks. Now Lucic has earned a fourth line role of late with just four assists in a 13 game goal drought. Uh, so by no means can you put all the blame on, on management for shuffling this up, but you've got Camilleri in a top, you know, top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's on the top line instead of being a center position. I mean, everything is jumbled up. I think at this point they must just put the names in a blender before, uh, you know, warmups and just dump them on the f- floor to figure out who's going to go with who and see what works. Well, they might have to start doing that in terms of the goaltending situation in Florida. We know that Luongo's still out, but Reimer joined him on the sidelines with a groin injury. That leaves Harry Sateri to pull the load, and he's not been very good in his four starts, but will be called upon to hold the fort until Luongo gets back, probably before Reimer does sometime in the next week and a half. This won't be the place to hunt for goalie wins, even when the others return, though, in my opinion. Up front, they've split the duo of Huberto and Barkov, Barkov, hoping they can each carry a forward line. We said at the start, depth was and remains a problem on this offense. Yeah, some interesting stats for for Sateri, just in case anybody's wondering. Uh, This is a a first year back after a three-year stint in the KHL. Uh, He was drafted by the Sharks in uh, 2008, spent four seasons with their AHL affiliate, uh, but then never cracked, uh, cracked the lineup with that organization. So he's been in the KHL for the last three years. Some decent numbers last season, 2016 and five with a 2.5 goals against average uh, in the minors before getting called up five and six, 2.76 goals against average. So it seems like there's something there. Uh, I'm not uh, certainly not suggesting that he's going to be, you know, the next breakout uh, rookie netminder. Uh, he's obviously earned the the three losses and in the 0.88 save percentage that he's got so far this season. Uh, he's obviously a bandaid here. I don't, the, I guess he's shown enough to me in the minors that if I'm really like making a GPP lineup and I'm going to go out on a stretch and try and find a contrarian pick, if the matchup's right, I might consider it. But I'm also going into it knowing that it could be really, really bad for me as well. Um, so I don't hate it if the matchup's right. Uh, but long term, you're right. This is a temporary fix. Luongo is probably going to be back first. So I actually might go uh, win hunting here, but it's it's going to be some slim pickings and you're going to have to hit uh, hit just right. Exactly. In Los Angeles, this team's struggling a little bit. Three and seven in their last ten. They're in fourth place. In, the, in their division, so a tough uh, spot for them right now unless they get it straightened around. Jonathan Quick will miss tonight's game as he was slapped with a one-game suspension for sitting out the All-Star game. I think was a ma- this was a maintenance issue. If he plays in their next game, it will have been an eight-day break for a guy who's carried the load in the first half, and he's coming off his first flat spot of the season and giving up three or more goals in six of his last eight starts. Those, those, that isn't Jonathan Quick-type territory. On defense, Jake Muzzin probably hated the All-Star break's arrival too, but because he was an, on an offensive tear with a point-per-game pace in his last seven games on a, and on a pace for a career best in total points, I've also mentioned he's among the, the few defensemen who are in the 
plus 100 category for hits and block shots each of the last several seasons. So a good value player there uh, who might not be on the tip of everybody's tongue when they're looking at the Los Angeles Kings. The weird thing about the quick situation is, you know, I generally uh, was on, uh, you know, in agreement with you, but then they placed him on IR yesterday without a whole lot of information as to what's going on there. Um, the coach said that they considered him day to day. It's a retroactive IR designation, so he could be ready to go as soon as Thursday. But it just it rose some kind of weird red flags for me that maybe there's a little bit more going on here than we originally thought. Definitely a situation to monitor. Uh, another player you're going to want to monitor is Nick Shore. He's dealing with a lower body injury. Whether he's available uh, seems to be in doubt as well. They brought up a pair of forwards from the minors to kind of bolster their ranks. So uh, some kind of uh, fringe injuries here that could have some impact on a team that had been playing really well lately. And you can throw in the fact that Jeff Carter's still on the sidelines. I think he's out longer than they expected with his, his injury too. So bad times in Los Angeles right now at a time where they usually get things going in their recent history. Uh, in Minnesota, consistency continues to be the hallmark of Eric Stahl's game, particularly since he's joined this. he joined this team a year and a half ago. I didn't expect this kind of production out of this guy, but he's on a point-per-game pace over his last 10 starts and has a four-point lead over his nearest teammate in the season-to-date st- scoring stats for, for the Wild. I thought his poor year with the Rangers two years ago uh, was the beginning of the end for this guy, but I trust him with this current club, and there's plenty of him for him to work with uh, up front. And he still has a lot to contribute, obviously. So there's my Eric Stahl boost this week. Meanwhile, inconsistency and injury woes continue to dog both Chris Stewart and Nino Niederreiter, the latter of whom will once again slide into a top six role in returning from the injury ward. But he's had such an up and down season. I can't really trust him just yet. While the former guy blew the opportunity he had out out of the shoot, he's been a healthy scratch of late. Well, you want to talk about guys to trust or not trust for me. Uh, I'm not sold on Miko Koivu right now. Uh, he's got no goals in his last eight games. Now he does have five assists over that stretch. And while he's hasn't reached the 20 goal mark since the 09, 10 season, usually he's high to mid teens and he's got just six goals right now. Uh, that's a concern to me for a guy that's supposed to be on their top line. I get it's not his primary you know, role. Again, he's rarely been a 20 goal scorer, but just six goals on the year is a little bit low. He's only got 20 assists, whereas last year he had 40 and is usually, again, in that high 30, high 40 range. Uh, I just don't see him getting uh, near 50. He's been uh, he's hit that mark in three of the last five seasons or three of the last four seasons. And the one exception, he was at 48. I'd be surprised at this point if he can push for 40, uh, much less that, uh, you know, high 50s mark. In Montreal, it had to gall Hab fans to see P.K. Subban front and center at the All-Star Game <laughs> and the festivities while Shea Weber continues to be sidelined with no real timeline for his return, at least. We expect an update on his condition soon, but that defense core in Montreal sure likes woefully thin, even if we include him at this point. Uh, at least Jeff Petrie has con- is producing offense with the added ice time that's come his way, though, as we projected, I might add. He has eight points in his last nine games, but no one else is doing much of anything back there. The Habs are also apparently exploring trade offers, and I'm hearing Pacioretty's name linked to the Preds. Can you imagine if the, the Predators get <laughs> when they come back to Montreal? I mean, haven't the Canadians heard the old saying, once bitten, twice shy? 
<laughs> well, I, I do think, uh, you know, uh, to that point about the blue line, you look at a guy like Victor Mete, who was supposed to, you know, be uh, a, a strong uh, contributor for them. He since coming back, uh, being at the world juniors, uh, he's got just one assist in seven games. He's getting plenty of looks at on the power play since coming back a minute and a half per game. Uh, and his ice time is up a little bit. So the opportunities are there. What's concerning is the shots on goal for a guy that's playing on the power play. He should have more than 10 shots on goal in seven games. You have to get the puck to the net on the power play. Uh, look at what guys like Klingberg is doing. Uh, you know, Burns, even these are guys that when they get their power play opportunities, the puck gets to the net and Mete has got to be better. Uh, and until that shot on goal number creeps up, I would definitely avoid him in fantasy contests because if you're not shooting, you're not scoring, you're not picking up the assists. And for me right now, his game is really down uh, and world juniors did not do him any favors. It looks like. And uh, speaking of Nashville, as I did, they're up next. They're seven, one and two in their last 10 uh, strong second in the central division. Uh, the Preds have been, haven't been afraid to wheel and deal in recent years, as we know, and it's been uh, with mixed results. Uh, unfortunately for them. They have to be quite happy with the way Kyle Torres is produced and fitting. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the trade that didn't work out. Ryan Johansson, they got him out of Columbus for Seth Jones, it hasn't quite, and he hasn't quite delivered here as uh, uh, in, a, in the top role that was expected of him as a scorer. He has only scored five times all year and none in January over nine games played. With the star power focused on Subban and Forsberg, along with the team's success to date, though, this guy still has time to figure things out and contribute more without too much pressure, and that's lucky for him because other, if he was in a hockey-mad city like Toronto or Montreal, he'd be getting vilified by now. Well, you mentioned Forsberg, and uh, the news on the injury front is getting better. Uh, saw yesterday he ditched the, the non-contact jersey for the first time, so he's skating in practice, taking contact. Whether that means he'll be ready to go uh, tonight might be a little too soon, although he did take line rushes in, in a top-line role with Johansson and Arvison. That's usually a pretty good indicator. If that happens again today, I would expect him to come off IR uh, and, and should be available. We'll kind of see how that shakes out. And again, you mentioned P.K. Subban. Uh, can't talk about this guy enough. Three goals in his last three games, uh, contributing offensively, really carrying this team despite technically being in a second pairing assignment uh, with Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis seeing the top one. But really, this is a team that plays all four of those top four defensemen pretty frequently. And those third pairing guys in Ekholm and Irwin get uh, some decent uh, ice time as well. So they really kind of share the love there in Nashville as far as the, the blue line minutes go. And in New Jersey, this team's starting to slide a little bit, AJ. They're only 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10, sitting fourth in the Metro Division. A team-wide scoring funk has cost them each of their last four games with only a total of three goals scored in that period. A glance at season-long stats reveals that aside from Taylor Hall, several, several other top scorers are mired in long droughts. Consider Brian Gibson's has a goal in since December 1st and is now out with a broken thumb. Brian Boyle has only one goal in his last 13 games, and Marcus Johansson has no goals in nine January games. All of a sudden, these look like the same old devils to me. Well, I, I think you have to contribute a little bit of their slide to the, the injuries here. Uh, you've got Hall, who's been missing for uh, three games, although he could potentially be back soon. Johansson's dealing with another concussion. 
after that ridiculous hit by Brad Marchand. We'll get into that again a little bit later to keep teasing that. Miko Mueller has been out for a long time. Uh, and Keith Kincaid was missing for a little bit. He looks like he's healthy. He's going to get the start tonight against the Sabres. Corey Schneider's still out. Uh, so just a bevy of injuries have really set this team back. I think if they can get healthy, if they can get Hall, Johansson back, if they can get Schneider back in goal, uh, Gibbons as well, you'll start to see them gel again. Whether they get healthy or not in time is a serious question mark. They're currently on the outside looking in of the top three in the Metropolitan, but it's a tough race for, for that division. They're only one point behind Pittsburgh and Columbus. And you know that you've got them, the Flyers at 56 points. You've got the Rangers and the Islanders at 55. Uh, so they need to get healthy quick uh, if they're going to make the playoffs because this is a tough nut to crack in the Eastern Conference. On Long Island, this team is uh, five, four, and one in their last ten. They're seventh in the Metro Division. Uh, we've touted Beauvillier for a while now, and he's really caught fire with eight goals in his past 13 games. AJ, one guy that we haven't talked about here though is Brock Nelson who came into the year on the heels of three straight 20-goal seasons. He's regressed so much, though, and lost playing time due to Matthew Barzal's excellent rookie campaign. He's no better than third-line center, and this downturn is coming at a bad time for a pending UFA with his current salary of $2.5 million coming off the books at the end of the season. I wonder which way it's going to go for him in the offseason. Yeah, it, it is kind of a question mark there. Now, one big question mark heading into the season was – uh, the Eberly acquisition, whether or not that was going to work out. There was some question early in the season uh, when he was struggling to find the back of the net. He went 10 games without a goal to start the year. I don't have those questions anymore. Uh, you look at what he's done lately in his last eight games. He's got three goals, seven assists, a plus five rating over that stretch, 21 shots on goal, which is somewhat decent uh, power play ice time there as well. There's not much to really uh, be disappointed about in his game. Now, the power play goals, that would maybe be the only knock. He's got 17 total on the year. Just two have come with the man advantage. So you'd like to see that climb up a little bit. Uh, but overall, I think the move to bring in Jordan Eberle has been phenomenal for the Islanders this season. And with the New York Rangers going four, four and six in their last 10 games, six in the Metro Division, I think they're raising the white flag there, AJ. We've mentioned JT Miller as a player to watch, and he's among the club's leaders with four goals, three assists, two of those power play goals, and three game winners in his last 13 games. But he's uh, one pe person who won't be dealt, though a number of veterans will likely be moved on, and the writing is on the wall as they quickly fall from contention. The quandary here, though, is that they will likely, well, they will retain Hendrik Lundqvist. He's 35 years old, AJ, and there's three years remaining on an $8.5 million annual cap hit. He's not going anywhere soon, but this is going to be an albatross for this team while they try and change the, the nature of much of the rest of this roster, I think. Look, I threw this out here in the Rotowire office the other day. Uh, not a, a well-received hot take or opinion here, but for me, Henrik Lundqvist is somewhat of an overrated netminder. I'm even hedging myself there by saying somewhat. I'm going to take that out. Henrik Lundqvist is an overrated netminder. Hmm. Uh, you look at what he's won. There really isn't much there. Uh, he's easy to rattle, easy to get into his head and throw him off of his game. Uh, his performance of late is indicative of why the Rangers are slipping two, three and oh in his last seven outings with the 3.12 goals against average. Yes, if he is on his game when he wants to be, he is a terrific netminder. He's 
always up over 30 wins a season. I would imagine he'll get there again this year. Uh, the lone exception was the lockout shortened, uh, 2012-13 season. Other than that, always up over 30, but has he won anything? No. And can he be easily rattled, which is how teams beat him in the postseason? Yes. So for me, that's my hot take. Henrik Lundqvist, an overrated netminder. All right. I'm not going to disagree, but I'm going to leave it alone. I'll let you hang out there and try and see how this plays out, AJ. In Ottawa, this is a team that's already been hung out to dry, I think. They're 3-6-1 in their last 10, seventh in the Atlantic Division. You mentioned how there's two tiers in that group, and they're at the bottom of, of one of them. Most interesting numbers, more interesting numbers to speak uh, to Matt Duchesne's ordinary level of play is how well start. He's been a dominant faceoff guy for a third straight season, winning well over 50% of his draws, and yet those possession numbers that relate uh, to the top six minutes and the loads of power play time he gets just doesn't add up when you think this guy's on a pace for only 40 points. So there's something really wrong there that uh, he has to figure out and the Senators have to help him figure it out because they spent a lot to get him and he's just not returning. That's despite uh, finding a little chemistry with uh, top sniper, sniper Mike Hoffman. He has only 12 goals on the year himself and a scoring rate well under his career norm, and that's under 8% scoring percentage for him this season. Not much other than Mark Stone has gone right offensively this season, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better here because Stone is on the sidelines uh, right now in the injury situation. And I see they picked up Magnus Payarvi off waivers. That should show you how desperate this team is, that he's going to fit in right into the who cares section of my analysis when talking about the <laughs> Ottawa Senators. <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of had to pick up PRV. Uh, you look at the injury list for them. Gabriel Dumont landed on IR. Nate Thompson's out there. You mentioned Mark Stone. Uh, defensively, Johnny Oduye, Chris Weidman both out. Uh, this is a pretty banged up team uh, that you look at who they regularly bring up. So a lot of clubs have a select pool of guys, three or four guys that whenever there's an injury, these guys get called up. They really... These call-ups for them have not done much uh, of late or, or really at all in the NHL. Uh, you've got Chris D. D'Amico. Uh, he's got one assist in his latest stint up here, uh, three games. Uh, you know, another guy that they bring up periodically, Colin White. No points on the year in his limited outings, uh, just seven on the year. So getting Magnus Piarvi who at least has played some time in the NHL this season uh, is definitely helpful for them uh, just because they are so injured. I, I do think this was an injury reach. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on from Ottawa sometime in the near future. Uh, his contract is up at the end of the year. I, I don't expect him to really re-sign with this club. He'll probably be a free agent. Now, I did mention Mark Stone was on the IR. That could be a retroactive move, AJ, over the All-Star break, too, uh, since he didn't play a couple of games ago. But, and he's got a banged-up knee. So keep an eye on that situation, because if he gets back in, he's probably their best go-to guy offensively and might be worth a look in DFS action going forward. In the Philadelphia Flyer situation, there's plenty of unusual numbers here, too. Uh, we'll t start with Claude Giroux on pace to challenge his career best of 93 points back in the 2012 2011-2012 season, despite a shots on goal rate that's well below his standard of the last few years. He's reinvented himself as more of a playmaker as opposed to a, a shooter, and that's, his, that's made his line more effective, contributing directly to Sean Couturier's breakout season that we've talked about a few times. Both players have returned much better value than their average draft positions, in fact, in season-long play. Meanwhile, Jakub Voracek's shooting percentage is also way off his career norms, 
while he's on the brink of a new high for assists too. So sometimes the numbers here are, are leading to different outcomes that we might have expected, but it's mostly positive news in Philadelphia. Well, the only down news there is the net mining situation. Brian Elliott won't be available Thursday uh, due to a lower body injury. Uh, he won't play against the Lightning, while Michael Newverth missed practice yesterday due to illness. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what shakes out here as far as who gets to start. Alex Lyon would be the leading candidate here uh, to fill in. Uh, if they call him up, if, if Newberth is also unable to go, I really want to know more about this Brian Elliott injury. Uh, this is the first we heard about it yesterday. Weren't really any indications prior to the all-star break that he was hurt. Uh, not totally surprising how often he played uh, in, you know, December, you know, December through early uh, January uh, that he picked up a little bit of an injury. So hopefully for Flyers fans and for fantasy owners, it's not a long-term deal. Not a lot of information right now. And uh, you must be, a, you sound a little happier, AJ. With a 7-3 and three mark for your Penguins, they're suddenly in third place in the Metro Division, back in a playoff position. And the key people responsible are your usual members of that law firm, Crosby, Kessel, and Malkin. They know this is the time to get serious, and they certainly have been. But beyond them, there's some good news, too. Carl Hagelin has emerged as a top-six player on a roll with eight points in his last eight games, finally waking up after a dreadful first half when he only had six points in 42 games. So a remarkable turnaround for him. Casey DeSmith was called up for the minors and recorded three wins in a recent four-game stretch since his call-up. Tristan Jari was sent down to the minors to make room. I wonder what you have to say about that goal-dunning situation. Uh, and other things that to do with penguins. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, obviously we want Matt Murray back as soon as he's ready. Um, but it's a tough situation losing his father. Uh, you know, mid-season, like well, losing your father anytime is a tough situation. But especially mid-season, while you're expected to play elite-level hockey, it's it's very difficult uh, to do any job, much less that one in that situation. So fortunately for the Penguins, DeSmith has been phenomenal of late for them gives them a little bit of a cushion there and his teammates have been helping him out as well by you know turning it on finally and scoring some goals uh, but ultimately getting Murray back will be the key I know starting at the start of the season they're hoping to have Jari down in the minors for the whole year anyway to continue his development so I wouldn't be surprised to see DeSmith kind of take over as a backup moving forward uh, there's still talk that this team's going to look and try and pick up a third line center I'm not totally sold that we need it. I think Riley Sheehan has been playing well with Phil Kessel and Jake Gensel. Uh, and John Sebastian D has worked out well, in my opinion, as a fourth line uh, center option. So I'm not sold that we need it. Uh, Carter Rowney's on IR. Once he's healthy, he should, you know, challenge D for that, that fourth center spot. Uh, so I'd hate to see us give up uh, a, a solid player, uh, that we need in order to get him. Now, I understand Ian Cole has been somewhat expendable of late, but Matt Hunwick picked up an injury, and so Cole's right back in the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm not sold that the move needs to be made, though. And San Jose, they got to be crying the blues now. Uh, Joe Thornton suffered a season-ending knee injury. At 38 years old, I have to wonder if this might be... Uh, the end of the line for Joe because he was but he was enjoying a nice scoring surge recently he will likely have to take a pay cut from his expiring eight million dollar tag to return to San Jose next season in the meantime it looks like Pavelski will move into the top 
center role, while Michael Bodker and, and LeBanc will take on top, top uh, second-line roles on the wing, uh, or top two right-wing roles for that matter, uh, with Bodker on the first line, LeBanc on the second line. Uh, Chris Tierney uh, has provided solid second, secondary scoring as well over the past month as a third-line center, so they'll rejuggle things and hopefully keep things afloat. They're 5-3-2 and two in their last 10, but losing Jumbo Joe, a huge blow for the Sharks right now. Absolutely. That's an irreplaceable player uh, for them. And what they do is really a big question mark. Uh, and also, you know, whether they're going to get Martin Jones back again uh, is another uh, huge question for this team. Now, Aaron Dell has been playing really well for them lately, uh, and I think they'll probably continue to lean on him. He did have two really bad outings heading into the break, gave up five goals against the, the Jets. Uh, six goals against the Rangers, uh, obviously not ideal, but prior to that had been really solid. So maybe a little rest would help him if he's going to continue to see the bulk of the minutes. Uh, they don't have uh, a third netminder up right now. So that could be indicative that Martin Jones is close or going to be ready to go. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out now that they've had a few extra days of rest, um, but could be available Martin Jones tonight against the Penguins. We'll just have to wait and see. Another goaltending story is front and center in St. Louis, AJ. Just when I thought a bad start by Carter Hutton might open the door a crack for Jake Allen to get a shot again, Hutton uh, was back to start for the next game and picked up a shutout and followed that up with another solid effort for a second straight win while allowing only one goal against. So he's got both hands on the top goalie job right now. The top is his, uh, for sure, it appears, going forward. Uh, up front, Vladimir Sabatka has been all over the map in terms of the top three lines here, but it looks like he's pointed, poised to get another top six role after seeing more minutes and picking up two points in his last two games. So uh, keeping an eye on him uh, with the fact that he can play with one of the top two playmaking centers there, it's uh, good news for him that he's in the top two uh, lines for, for the moment. Well, I for sure don't see him playing with Braden Shen anytime soon. Uh, now that they've got Jaden Schwartz back, I imagine that line's going to be pretty locked in. Schwartz, Shen, and Steen. Now, where he could flip is for Ivan Barbashev, who's yeah. currently playing with Statsny and Tarasenko. Um, but that is another one that's going to be very fluid. Uh, I think he's capable of being up there, but I know that the club likes Barbashev and what he uh, offers, although his point total hasn't really been there. Uh, no goals in his last seven games, three assists over that stretch, and just one shot per goal in those outings. Um, but Sabaka, I think, could slot in there. But I also don't hate him playing with uh, Patrick Berglund and Tage Thompson on a, on a third-line role. I think he could do well there. All of Phil Kessel slotting into a technical third-line role with some other guys. I think they have similar skill set and, and could uh, suit him well uh, in that situation. In Tampa, Slater Cuckoo is getting more ice time in Victor Hedman's absence, and he's collected a goal and assist over his last few games. But now he's also poised to join the power play on the second unit, which could make him a little more attractive as a DFS outlier for me. Part of the reason for this chance is because veteran defender Anton Strahlman really has not stepped up to take up any of the slack in Hedman's absence offensively. Uh, even though he's playing upwards of 22 minutes, it's really in a defensive shutdown role in Hedman's absence. In addition, uh, Mikhail Sergeyev's recent defensive zone struggles have led to his press box view over the last 12, uh, last couple of games. But he's going to rebound. Do not bail on this guy. He's a he's a super talent, and he is deserving 
uh, mention when you talk about DFS play anytime he's in the lineup, in my opinion. If there's any guy who could teach a master class on capitalizing on playing with the league's best players, it's Chris Kunitz. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy didn't have a whole lot of production for much of the year. They give him a look uh, on that top line, and he's got two goals and two assists in his last three games. Uh, his ice time is obviously up. This guy knows how to play with the best players in the world. He just has figured out how to be the guy on that line. And as long as he continues to perform well in that role, I see no reason to take him off the line with Stamkos and Mestikov. Uh, he could obviously fill in with uh, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson, somewhere shuffling in that. I think Andre Palat's injury kind of opened the door for this. But for my money, I would not take Kunitz away from Stankos and Nemestikov. It's what he does best. You put him with the best in the world, he'll find a way to contribute. And we get to the talk about the Maple Leafs. They're, uh, as you mentioned, a solid third place. They're not going anywhere up or down. And they're locked into that spot more than any other team in the league, I think, in terms of their current rung and <laughs> ladder. I'm very happy to see their recent roster shuffling here, uh, something I called for weeks ago. They got Mitch Marner moving up to play right wing with Nazem Kadri, and look at what happened there. Immediately, Kadri broke out with a horrendous scoring slump, and now he's uh, scoring like crazy. Uh, meanwhile, Connor Brown moves in as a strong uh, two-way center on uh, a two-way right winger, rather, to complement the tandem of Bozak and JVR. Good move there. And they move uh, Dio Komarov down to a fourth line where he has struggled to score all season long, but he's really a good uh, grinder, well-suited to a fourth-line role, in my opinion. And he's also playing a key role in their penalty killing, so there's lots of key minutes for him to play still. Finally, injuries on the defense led to Ron Hainsey partnering with Jake Gardner, Look, I've slagged this guy all year long, but he's got 10 assists in his last five games, and, and this partnership has brought out the best in, in terms of this one-way player's game now that he's insulated by Hainsey. I hope they leave them together and use Riley and Zaitsev together when they both come off the IR. This could really solidify the defense going forward, at least on the top two pairs, but there is room to add another veteran at the trade deadline here still. I like that uh, that call there, Paul. Uh, the the Gardner Hainsey Riley and Zaitsev paired up. Uh, for me, looking at those last four guys, you've got Borgman, Dermont, Carrick, and Polak. I would go Borgman, Dermont as your third pairing there. Uh, I know they don't have quite the experience that you get out of Carrick and Polak, uh, but I think both these guys are, are talents that they it's worth developing and have them there as that option. Now, I think what would what you would see minutes-wise is a little bit more reliance on the top four if they did something like that, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. So hopefully uh, that's the direction they go. I think it would be the best-case scenario for them, but obviously you have to consider you know, what it takes to move guys down and roster shuffling like that, and Borgman and Dermont can be easily moved down while Carrick and Pollock necess- can't necessarily be moved quite so easily. In Vancouver, the Canucks have slid again. They're 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. They're seventh in the Pacific Division. But talk of their situation gives me pause to have a mini rant about young American-born superstars. 
when you can add Brock Besser to Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel as the leading edge of the game's next wave of very remarkable athletes in this sport, and yet they won't play on the world's biggest stage. As you mentioned last week, the Olympics is a no-show for the NHL, and that's a big mistake in my opinion. Look at what Boser's done. He uh, was rightly picked as the MVP of the All-Star Weekend. I'm intrigued also to see the new look of this lineup as he's slated to get a first turn with the Sedin twins, while Vanek and Erickson flank Horvat on a, a pretty good-looking second unit as well. I like that pairing on the second unit, uh, just like you do. I think Horvat can really hopefully bring out the best of, of Erickson and Vanek. And let's not forget, they got Sven Berchi kind of waiting in the wings if either one of those guys struggles as well. Um, don't get me wrong, when they were together, I, I did really like the Berchi horvat Boser line. Yeah. Um, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Obviously, the Sedins and Vanek or Sedins and Erickson just hasn't worked out this year. Uh, they need a little bit, a, a guy with a little more jump at this point in their careers, and that's what Boser will give them. So I I like what they're doing right now for the Canucks. I think it could be a sign of some good things to come. Maybe get back in contention here. The Vegas team is slumping, AJ. They're only 5-3-2 in their last 10 games, holding on to (laughs) first place in the Pacific Division. The great defensive depth here is being challenged by a string of injuries, though, now that Braden McNabb has hit their injury list with an undisclosed uh, uh, bump. Uh, They survived a worse situation in goal that was well documented earlier this year, so there's no reason for great concern yet, though it could limit trade deadline deals a little bit because they were hoping to trade some of their excess on the blue line. It turns out they're going to need much of what they've uh, picked up to uh, get through weather this storm in the next little while. Another highlight of their depth up front, though, is the shot rate of one Alex Tuck. He's a third-line right winger, but his shots on goal is right around 2.5 per game. Look, this, built, this team was built to be relentless, and when you can get a third-line winger producing that kind of offense, it shows you that this is exactly what they got out of their roster. Well, I know you don't need to hear from it, me, hear it from me anymore, and our listeners will tire of it, but can anybody uh, doubt that Marc-Andre Fleury was the best netminder at, uh, at the skills competition after making that uh, somersault save <laughs> and then going on to win the, uh, the save streak? Uh, gotta love his just infectious smile. And I think his attitude off the ice is really going to help carry this team where they want to go this season. Uh, obviously his play on the ice speaks for itself, but I think you can't undersell having that kind of positive influence and leadership in the locker room, especially when you have a team that let's be honest. Yes, we're halfway through the season, but they're still trying to gel. Uh, some of these guys played together in previous stops, but for the most part, these are guys who don't know each other super well, still trying to learn each other's game. And I think having a a solidifying influence in the locker room is huge for the Golden Knights. Yeah, and having a soccer-like goals against average is pretty good, too, at 177 (laughs) year day. That's remarkable. In Washington, the Caps are 6-2-2. They're first in the the Metropolitan Division. Tom Wilson is back on a scoring unit with Ovi and Kuznetsov in the top line he's done well there in the in earlier stints so as a potential excellent value in dfs play once again as long as he gets that role but keep an eye on it because it's very fluid as you've mentioned other situations too on defense christian jews has shown offensive flashes in limited minutes but penciled in to play with john carlson on our depth chart right now that should mean larger minutes 
and a greater opportunity for a guy who's shown a bit of an offensive flair. So I'll be curious to see what he does with it. This move makes some sense because he's a better skater than the remaining options behind this top uh, pairing. So might be a nice fit for Carlson, but maybe an uh, all-offensive kind of pairing with very little regard for the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, I, I have to stress the, the interesting situation and in goal here with Braden Holpe. Uh, normally, you don't see him uh, getting quite as much rest as he has lately. Uh, has played just four of the last seven games uh, and hasn't actually looked great in those outings. One win, one loss, and two overtime losses. But I think it's something that this club needs to do and needs to explore, especially down the stretch. We've seen time and time again, how he just seems burnt out once the postseason comes up. Yes, he went to all-star break, so didn't get quite the same, or all-star game, so didn't get quite the break as the other players. Um, but I think if they can continue to look at keeping him rested, uh, they're sitting fine in the standings, you know, leading the Metropolitan by about by six points right now. So they've got some room to play with as well if they want to give Grubauer some more starts. And I definitely think they should. Uh, so maybe if you're in a deeper league and need a little bit of goaltending help, Philip Grubauer might be one to look at because I think he'll see more starts than he has in past seasons as we head into the tail end of the season. And finally in Winnipeg, look, at Matthew Perot isn't the first name you think of in this offensive mix, but he's one of the team leaders of late with six goals, three assists. Three of those goals were power play efforts too in the last 12 games in a stretch where he's locked in a top six role once again. Uh, on defense, they are missing Truba and Kulikov, both of them landing on the injury report. And Ben, uh, ben Chirot is uh, poised to move into the lineup alongside Bufflin. Uh, oddly, though, the injured D-men are appearing in lots of trade rumors, so it'll be curious to see if either one of these guys has played their last game with the Jets. Well, I can't imagine they're going to be able to trade Truba uh, with the news coming out that it'll be six to eight weeks for him. Uh, Kulikov, I think, is a little more expendable. I know they love Josh Morrissey. Tucker Pullman's a highly touted prospect. Uh, and Kulikov's injury seems to be a little more short term. Uh, he, did, uh, he didn't take part in practice yesterday, but did skate prior to practice. Now, speaking of guys returning to skating, Mark Shifley skated ahead of practice. That's a sign of good things to come. He's probably still at least a week away, maybe a little bit more. He's on the early edge of that original six to eight uh, week timeline. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, and then finally, they are going to get a little bit of help in Adam Lowry, who looks like he's going to come back and play. Uh, that's following a, a eight game stint. And that'll give him a little more of a, a veteran presence. Uh, he is just 24, but he played all two 80, 82 games last season. He knows what he's doing out there. And that'll kind of shore up, uh, you know, what's been a little bit of a concern lately uh, with a number of injuries picking up. All right. Now let's turn our attention to FanDuel specifically for a moment, AJ. With the football season winding down, we want to remind you that FanDuel has a great uh, slate of uh, daily games still all season round and their focus will be primarily on basketball and hockey over the next few weeks until the MLB season begins in late March but uh, we have to spend a minute talking about the the season winding down in the NFL and the Super Bowl in the offing I find myself playing more hockey and basketball games certainly on FanDuel but there's lots of different budgets and different prizes even for the other sports so it's quite an impressive menu of options as far as the Super Bowl goes though I think the Patriots win this one, AJ, and they do it easily. I know the Eagles have a strong defense, and they ran up a big score against the Vikes, 
But that New England coach, Belichick, is a defensive genius who will pressure Nick Foles into mistakes, and he'll find a way to find any weaknesses that do exist on the other side of the coin. He's uh, far and away the best coach I've seen almost in any sport uh, that you can name, and uh, not the best in terms of interviews, but, boy, he knows what to do when they talk about X's and O's, doesn't he? Absolutely. Uh, I do think it's, it is interesting. FanDuel is still going to have uh, one game uh, slate for the Super Bowl. It looks like it's a five any flex player uh, option there with uh, one player is going to be double points for you. Uh, so for my money, I know his price tag will be pretty heavy, but I think Tom Brady's got to be my double points guy if I'm going to enter that lineup. Um, just a little bit of a, a tip from me, although take it for what it's worth. I didn't do particularly well in our Rotowire NFL contest this year. Uh, but as far as the game goes, I think it's going to be a little closer than, than what you're selling, Paul. Uh, I'm looking more at a 28-21 contest, uh, but the outcome, I think, will be the same. A New England win. Uh, there's only one team that's ever figured out how to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Well, the Tom Brady-led Patriots in the Super Bowl, and that's Eli Manning in the Giants. I just don't see Nick Foles being able to pull it off and uh, taking the Eagles to the upset win in this one. My call is a blowout. I think 34-14 for the Pats. This will not be in doubt in the second half at all. <laughs> anyway, uh, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. We have a busy slate now that hockey's back front and center. AJ, why don't you run into the Run us through the first half of the games. I'll take the back half. All right. So it starts off uh, with the 7 o'clock games, and there are a ton of them tonight. You've got Anaheim at Boston, uh, Devils at Buffalo, Panthers at New York, uh, the Islanders in that one, Sharks at Pittsburgh. That'll be the game I'm primarily watching and interested in, Senators at Carolina, and then the Wild travel to Columbus. Uh, Some of these games we've got lines for. Some of them we don't. A lot of it uh, seems to be still shaking out uh, after the break. Uh, goaltending situations obviously are going to be a factor here. Who plays, who doesn't? Uh, you're really going to want to check back for that. So for the early games, for my money, is Sharks at Pittsburgh is the one to watch, although Anaheim at Boston might be intriguing as well. Paul, after the 7 o'clock slate of games, uh, what do we got on the schedule? Well, I'm going to be cheering the St. Louis Blues on to victory as they host the Montreal Canadiens at 8 (laughs) o'clock. Chicago Blackhawks visit Nashville. That's always a great tussle at 8 o'clock to watch for, see if the struggling Hawks can jump up and bite the homestanding Predators. The Lightning and the Jets could be the best game on the board tonight. 8 o'clock start should feature two of the best teams in the league going at it. Terrific tilt lining up there. Los Angeles Kings go to Dallas without Jonathan Quick, as we mentioned earlier. That might affect your goalie picks in this one. 8.30 is that start time. The Golden Knights try to get off the schneid of that only that 5-3-2 and two mark their last 10 games. <laughs> uh, they're in a, a Calgary against the Flames at 9 o'clock. And then finally, the Avalanche visit Vancouver. That should be a very high-scoring affair at 10 o'clock to round out the schedule. And as I said, I'm interested in the Montreal-St. Louis game, but also Chicago and Nashville and Lightning and Winnipeg. I, to me, those are the three games on the board that I really am intrigued by tonight. Uh, let's get into our picks for the DFS uh, play, uh, play downs tonight. AJ, what do you like in your lineup? All right, so for, for my big price tag guy, Uh, I did go at center and not who you think it's going to be. Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche uh, is facing Vancouver tonight, 8,300. So I like the matchup there. 
plus uh, he's been pretty decent of late, uh, just scoring goals at a pretty good clip. Now his he's only got one goal in the last three games, but he's also put 11 shots on net over that stretch. So he's still firing the puck. Uh, and so everything I think for him is going well on the flip side. I didn't go quite as low, uh, still somewhat up there. 5,800 for Eric Holla. Uh, I know a lot of people will say the matchup is tough against Mike Smith tonight, but hollow has got two goals in his last two games, both of which have come on the power play nine shots on goal over that stretch. Uh, I think he's just too good to pass on, especially at that 5,800 price tag. Now on wings, I did pay up for Phil Kessel, 8,000, uh, a power play special specialist at this point in his career. It seems like with the penguins racking up a ton of points of late, uh, and it could be Aaron Dell or the recently returned Martin Jones tonight. So I think the matchups in their favor, they're at home. Uh, so Phil Kessel leads my wingers. From there, I'm going to go with Alexander Steen, 5,700. Good matchup with Montreal at home, productive lately. For 5,000, I'm going to go with Danton Heinen. And I think as of right now, it looks like he'll get the top line assignment uh, with Pasternak and uh, Bergeron. If that changes, I probably would tweak this as well. But if he's going to be on that top line for 5,000 bucks, I'll take it. And then Justin Williams, 4,400 with Carolina. They're facing off against Ottawa. That's another good matchup. He had a goal and an assist in his last game. Uh, Yes, can be a bit of a hot, cold player, uh, but the matchup has me on him tonight. On defense, tried to key in on some guys taking shots. Colton Pareko, 4,800, has been a beast as far as uh, getting shots to the net. Again, St. Louis matches up with Montreal. I like that tonight. Tyler Myers, 4,600. With the injuries on the blue line for Winnipeg, he's going to take on a bigger role uh, with Truba out and Kulikov injured as well. And so I like the price tag there. The matchup isn't great. I acknowledge that. Um, But more responsibility for a low price tag. It it was uh, one I wanted to take advantage of. And then in between the pipes, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury for me, 8,400. I think Vegas has been too good uh, not to capitalize on them. Yes, they're on the road. Yes, they're against a Calgary team that some might think are good, uh, especially those who live in Toronto seem to think Calgary is pretty good right now. But uh, I like Flurry in the matchup. Although, uh, Paul, I got a quick look at your goaltender, and I might have to consider switching. A little tease there. How did your lineup shake out? All right. Well, I, I look at my whole lineup, AJ, and the more I look at it, the more I like it. I think this is one of the better lineups I've put together in DFS play, and I've had good success in the hockey all year long. So have a listen, folks. Andre Kopitar at center for me, $6,800. Very consistent, having a career-type season offensively for the Kings. He knows that he's shouldering the load, but he's answered the bell night in and night out. And the same goes for Eric Stahl for Minnesota against the Columbus team that's been too up and down to bank on them rather than the stability that I see out of Minnesota most nights. I also have a lot of regard for Brock Besser. His situation against Colorado looks really good tonight with the Sedins as his line mates. Anders Lee is one of the go-to guys offensively for the Islanders. For $6,600, I'll put him in the lineup against a Florida team that is desperately looking for goaltending, and they're in against a high-octane offense tonight, so that makes sense to me. I'm doubling down on the Minnesota-Columbus game with Jason Zucker, $6,100 his price tag. 
uh, kind of an outlier when you think about top uh, top six forwards, but a very productive guy all on the season. And I'm shocked that I'm picking more Penguins than you in my lineup tonight. <laughs> I'm going to start with Patrick Hornquist. He's been front and center in the top six mix most of the last month. $6,100 his price tag. San, San Jose might be looking at, licking their wounds a little bit while the Penguins are licking their chops, uh, not having to face Jumbo Joe. And I wonder where the headspace is for, collectively for the Sharks tonight. That's part of my thinking there. And then rounding out the team on defense, Justin Falk, his shot rate is up. And against a suspect Ottawa team, that should mean points for him at a $4,400 price tag. And Oli Mata rounding out my offense from the defensive side for the Penguins, $4,100 coming in cheap, getting power play time with some of the big boys out there. Uh, I think that's a good situation for him. And then in goal, I like Cam Ward a lot in that matchup. It's a coin flip in terms of the price tag for the respective goalies. But really, when you dive in deeper, Calgary's, uh, Carolina's much more stable team than Ottawa is right now. And I love that goalie pick at $7,400. I get the feeling you do as well. What does the optimizer have to say? Well, so the optimizer, uh, once again, is going to stack heavy against the Penguins. You have to wonder if this is somewhat related to the, the goaltending situation being a little uncertain there. Uh, going to go with both the centers here. Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle uh, as the center options from the optimizer. Couture, 6,600. Hurdle, 5,000. Uh, both, uh, you know, seeing uh, decent roles, uh, power play responsibilities as well. Uh, for the wings optimizer has Patrick Kane as the heavy price tag guy, 8,500 at Nashville tonight, Joe Pavelski rounding out the third, uh, San Jose shark, uh, against Pittsburgh, 7,300. Then it goes to Jeff Skinner of Carolina up against Ottawa, 5,700. Can't hate that. And then Anthony Duclair for Chicago coming in at just 3,500 with how good he's been lately. Uh, that's really hard to, to knock that. He had that three goal outing seems to be settling in well uh, with the Blackhawks getting that first line responsibility as we talked about. So 3,500, probably a good value play there. Uh, the last shark that we're going to see the optimizer is going to pay up for Brent Burns, 7,400. That's a heavy price tag uh, that I personally just am not willing to go uh, really stretches your dollars the rest of your lineup. Uh, and then on the flip side, Eric Gustafsson uh, for Chicago, that rounds out three Blackhawks in this lineup. He's 3,600. Another player who's been decently productive of late. Uh, you know, he had uh, a goal and an assist in his last four games since being called up, getting a look on the power play. So 3,600 is, is definitely a good value. And then the optimizer likes your net minding call there, Paul, 7,400 for Cam Ward tonight. All right, it's time for the stud of the week. But before that, we want to remind our listeners to tune into the pods that we do Monday to Friday, where we continue to cover all four major sports that are playing games all year round in our DFS uh, cycle, where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. Now we head over to the stud of the week, AJ. And this is a nod maybe at the top player in the first half of the season more than what he's done recently. I'm going to go with Nikita Kucherov to highlight this guy for what he's done. Look at the numbers offensively, just off the charts. I mean, when you look at the scoring to date, it looks like a season-ending total. He's got 64 points in 49 games, 27 goals. He's headed for a goal-scoring total north of 40 and might threaten the 100-point mark as well and maybe uh, hold on to the lead and get the... uh, Art Ross Trophy. Not too many people would have called that this season, but he's been so amazing. He's starting to pass the puck into the net, AJ, like he did <laughs> in the in the All Star game. We saw him do those fakes and didn't even 
try to guide the puck too much into the net, just propelled it in the direction and kind of faked over it. And goalies were mesmerized by this. It's just kind of what he's done all season long. He's just a very special player that uh, had maybe had his coming out party at the All-Star game, just like uh, Besser did for Vancouver. Well, and hopefully he got a little bit of rest over the weekend. You know, to your point, you said uh, this is really a tip of the cap for the first half of the season, and he has been phenomenal. Uh, No goals in his last seven games leading into the break is certainly uh, a bit of a concern because he carries uh, such a heavy price tag generally, but still had five assists over that stretch, 19 shots on goal. So even when this guy isn't scoring, he's finding ways to contribute, and that's what makes him so uh, dangerous and so good for this lightning team uh, a great call for the stud of the week and really stud of the first half of the season and then as far as the rant of the week i'm going to go with brad marchand and his antics i mean they have to stop uh, that shot that he gave uh, to his opponent to earn this five game suspension was just a display that you normally see on monday night raw or the tuesday night wrestling show it's just awful that this guy has been suspended six times and then he gets to go to the All-Star game. I think that's a travesty. I think if he was on suspended list, he should stay on the suspended list and miss the extravaganza that was the midseason show. And I'm glad the fans booed him at every opportunity because he deserved every bit of it. He kind of soaked it up, though, and I didn't like that. Uh, this guy's a sideshow Bob kind of guy. He's a great <laughs> hockey player, but there's too many stupid antics in his, as a part of his game that I'll never be a fan, and I'm not. Uh, for me, uh, it's, uh, it should be about the combination of skill and the way a player carries himself on and off the ice. The NHL players are professionals that should he- adhere to standards of good and fair play. This guy just doesn't cut it for me, and that's why he earns the rant of the week. Well, look, another year, another suspension for Marshawn. Uh, if the league really wanted to stop him, it would give him a significantly longer punishment. Five games just isn't enough for a repeat offender that blatantly tries to injure other players. Uh, You've got Marcus Johansson is on IR right now with another concussion this season. Uh, You know, I have never really shied away from the idea of suspending guys for as long as the other players injured, if you're going to hurt a guy. Um, But for me, if you really want to send a message here, it should have been like 20 games Uh, that would drive home enough with the Bruins to try and correct his behavior as well. But at five, the club's just going to ride it out and not worry about it. Uh, Don't be surprised when we are talking about Mashan again next year uh, with a suspension in another rant of the week. It's definitely going to happen because really five games just is not enough disincentive for him to start playing uh, like a professional. Great point, AJ. That wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's ajscholz 24 We hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL. Next week, we're going to get together on the next edition of podcast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy deals. So long, everybody.